Call me Mr. April I've been looking forward to May Oh, I've been waiting for those good times to come Yeah, I've been waiting on you Call me Mr. April I've been looking forward to May Oh, I've been waiting for those good times to come Yeah, I've been waiting on you Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 5-1-2 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick, the real MVP, he plays jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings that you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX, the live music capital of the world. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Wrong Bird, and they are playing tonight at Long Play Lounge East. Wrong Bird? Wrong Bird. I, I don't know why I like it. It it, it does. It, it's good. I don't know. I know. I, what, I wonder how long it takes them to come up with these names of the bands. Yeah, and stuff. actually pick it. It's, it's not. Especially I, when you're in a group. Every band I've been with, every band I've worked with, is it's not easy unless it's a name. And the yeah. name's usually, if it's a name, it's usually a little bit easier. But other than that, Man. it's usually a process. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I just want, I would love a little mini, a little mini documentary. I almost want a mockumentary. I just ask every band just real quick when they come in for South by Southwest ACL, how'd you get the name? Period. Boom. Right. That's all right. I want. And I want to see if I can find a trend among how bands come up with names. But I bet there's, I bet there's no rhyme or reason to it. No, I know. There was one band here in town called Eight Ball Down. And and he kept hearing you're like oh there's got to be a crazy story about drugs involved in exactly. this exactly and then it was a story about pool and I was very disappointed <laughs> that's what I'll say it probably isn't I'm probably thinking that it's something really interesting it's like no it's boring it's not yeah they're like right. we're, we were doing this and he and a guy hit a pool shot and I was like oh it's about pool yeah like oh come on we're gun hunting and I told him to shoot that bird and he shot the other bird and I was like wrong bird and he was like that's a great name for a bird <laughs> uh, all right there you go five one two Friday thanks my man Patrick uh, doing a great job as always all right. Uh, guys, yesterday we talked about it, uh, the C.J. Stroud smear campaign, as it were. Um, we talked about how it had been, I think Mike Lombardi was on Vissin talking about how he was hard to coach. Um, there had been Trey Wingo threw it out there. Mm-hmm. He had heard some very negative things as well about him. Uh, we also played the sound from Brady Quinn yesterday. And Brady Quinn, even though Brady Quinn says he likes C.J. Stroud personally, mm-hmm. he did say that he heard uh, that he had big time the Manning camp, uh, even though that story was refuted because right. uh, there was a report that he he did not commit to the Manning camp, which even that that let, to me that's even more proof that there's a smear campaign of some sort going on. It's like yeah. there was even they, they didn't even have proof that he had committed to the Manning camp. Yet it went out there. Oh yeah, you know what he did? He he was um he, he was non-committal and is uh, to the Manning camp, or that he committed and then decided to ghost them. I think that's the term they use that he ghosted the Manning camp, yeah, uh, which means like he that. didn't. Yeah, exactly. It means he didn't communicate or answer calls. But that would have also implied he had a commitment to the Manning camp, and we found out later he had no commitment. It was a miscommunication. Right. So the smear campaign now continues, gentlemen, because. And this was a uh, sent by man uh, Patrick because now there's a new test, and we got some great audio that Patrick pulled actually um, of different NFL insiders describing this new S two cognition test. Because I was interested to find out, okay, what exactly is the S two cognition test, and what does it all entail? So we'll get that to you here in a second. But here is the uh, the this, and this this uh, leak comes from Bob McGinn. 
I believe that's where it comes from. He's the one that says that he has these scores. Um, and at Shane P. Hallam as well is another uh, contributor to, I guess, this information that has been leaked. The ST Cognition scores, remember, we did hear that Bryce Young had the highest score. Remember last year they said it was Brock Purdy right? that had the highest score last year. That's right. That kind of lines up with Mr. Irrelevant. He has processed the NFL game really well and transitioned really well. Um, they said Bryce Young got a 98% on the S2 cognition test on the 2023 uh, quarterback draft class. Uh, Jake Hayner, 96%. Uh, Will Levis, 93%. That might explain Jack why Jack Hayner, the kid from Fresno State? Yes, yes I believe yep. so, yes. Yep. Uh, the Will Levis at 93% tied with Jaron Hall may explain why he is rising up some draft boards, also because C.J. Stroud is dropping. But I think Mel Kuyper, actually real big Levis guy, I mm, um, yeah. believe he actually likes Levis over Stroud, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Clayton Toon is at 84%. Like I said, we'll play audio, so they'll kind of explain exactly what these what this test means. Um, and Clayton Toon is the U of H. Quarterback, correct? Yes, he is. Anthony Richardson, uh, the Florida quarterback, the most athletic quarterback in this draft, 79%. Uh, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback, at 46% in this uh, S2 cognition test results. And C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, he's at 18% in the S2 cognition test. So, obviously, uh, this the cognition test is not necessarily – do him any favor. At least the, the leaking of the results is not doing him any favors at all. Uh, okay, so we and, t- and again, this is also speculated. Yes, we don't even know. We, this, we, are, yes. this could technically be wrong because it's yes. all somebody told somebody that this is what they saw the thing. And I got the score. And if any actual person who saw this came out and said what the actual score was, then they could get in a lot of trouble because it's not supposed to be leaked stuff. And an NFL executive did say, that's a great point, but I totally agree to add to that. An NFL executive did say if you get a high score, if you get a high score as a quarterback, it's not saying you're going to be a great player. But if you get a low score, it's 100%. None of the, none of the quarterbacks that got a low score became good players. So I guess it's yeah, going to CJ Stroud smear campaign. Yes. If indeed these scores are accurate and yes. real, as Patrick brought up. Okay, so Patrick has pulled a couple of bits of sound. I believe one is Daniel Jeremiah, and one is uh, oh, it's from NFL.com. They're like that Good Morning Peter football. Schrager. Peter Schrager. Yes, we'll get that Good Morning Football show. Correct. Yep. Okay, so. They're basically describing the S2 cognition. Just doing some deep diving to try to figure out if we can get some actual clarity on what the hell these tests are. Um, and actually, Harge probably has more background on this than anything. So I think it comes from the baseball it world. It is the baseball world. Uh, so here is first. And that play, sucks. Let's play, the, let's play <laughs> the Daniel Jeremiah one first of him describing because I think the Peter Schrager one is actually someone from one of the actual companies. Yes. That it's one of the co-founders the of, yes, of, of the, the S2, S2 test. test. Okay. So first, here's Daniel Jeremiah describing it from a kind of a scout's perspective. There's a thing, I don't know if you guys have read up on the S2 test. Have you guys done any work on this? So it's a it's a processing test that, that it are now being given to, especially quarterbacks. It's been in big in baseball. So it'll be like, you know, six shapes pop up and one's different. How quick can you identify the one that's different? It's how quick you can process information. Mm. If you think about for baseball, pitch recognition and all that stuff, like it's a very valuable tool, and it's made its way over to the football the last five or six years. Josh Allen was off the charts on it. Mahomes mm. tested off the charts on it. Last year, in the entire quarterback class, Brock Purdy had the highest number, had the Ooh. highest grade on that. This year, it's Bryce Young. So, processing information. Is this in, public info? No, but that but part is now. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's 
trying to give you kind of the scouts perspective. And here is uh, Peter Schrager, and he's having one of the actual creators of the test, the S2 Connection test on. And here is him describing exactly what it is. If I'm Peter Schrager, prospect 7, 735 at the Combine, I'm sitting down yep. for an S2 test. What is the actual test? Yep. So our test is about 45 minutes in which you you sit in front of a specialized gaming system that was built for, for millisecond precision. One of the tests that I think a lot of, uh, of companies may use is, is object tracking. So how, well, how many objects, you, you got to broaden your attention and keep track of many moving objects, right? An example of a laboratory-based test is you may, you may have to track three or four objects for 10 or 15 seconds. And here's where Scott and I got a little bit more sophisticated is that's not how football operates, right? You've got to have a, a play is three to five seconds. And so we duplicated with how many objects are on the screen is what a quarterback or a safety is going to have to look at. And we actually measured how quickly DBs and receivers move across the field. And so that's how quickly our balls move across the screen. It's only for three or five seconds like an NFL play. So we really tried to narrow down the laboratory tests, which may have... 10 or 15 balls moving across the screen and you've got to keep track of three of them uh we 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 push the limits there we make we make these defensive backs and these middle linebackers have to track nine objects right because that might be their life um within three seconds at the speed in which the game moves so uh it's really it's sports specific in that respect but it it is a classic sort of computer-based laboratory test all right, there you go. Harge, you come from the baseball world, so, so you probably have more experience with yes, this. Yes, I have uh, taken is, that. Yeah, so this wasn't around in the football realm when I went to the combine and all that kind of stuff. So what are your thoughts? Of, and you also played quarterback. Hey, I did. how about that? I did. You played the quarterback position. I did, probably well. wouldn't have scored well on that because, you know, them <laughs> objects over there that you're looking at, um, it changes up a lot. Uh, but what, yeah, what are your th- – yeah, so is it is it something that's easy? How how, how difficult is a test I mean, for it's just a, kind of a modern jabron, just as a regular jabroni? Well, I mean – it. it it's just all about your processing and how quick you can process stuff. And, and when you see you it, want your quarterback you, to process quickly. Right. But it also <laughs> – but some of the things, they kind of trick you in a certain areas too. You know as well as I do. I went to the eye doctor the other day, and they were tricking me on certain things when I was looking at it. I'm like, are you trying to let me see it? Or are you trying to make sure I notice something quick in that deal? But, you know, it, it just happens that way. It is one of those things too, though, where, to your point, if you're quarterback – and you're having to do that, mm-hmm. and they want you to react to objects quickly, it, it, it does say a lot about you. Yeah, they said Brock Purdy last year had the highest score of any of the quarterbacks, and, and there is there's something to be said about his processing, how he's transitioned to the NFL level with this test. But what I, I, what I'll say is that I hope that it's just – a data point. Any organization that wants to put too much stock in any of these data points, in, the, in, in any individual data point, if you are putting way too much onus and way too much stock in just one right. individual data point, you're making a mistake. It's the evaluation of your quarterback should be multifactorial, multifaceted, and there's a lot of different data points. Yes, height should be one of them. Um, some some people hand size. It's just yep. one of them, but it should not make or break an evaluation of a quarterback and forever uh you know they've basically tried to turn the quarterback evaluation into a science and they want really badly for it to be a science and i and i understand why because if it's a science right everything that's a science we can we can replicate it 
Right. right. It's a it's just a systematic enterprise of different organized principles and you can replicate those like the scientific method. So if I can figure out what factors make a great quarterback, all I got to do is find quarterbacks that fit all those different thresholds. Right. Boom. Got me, you know, a, a, a successful NFL franchise quarterback. But the truth is, it's not a science. It's not even an inexact science. It's more of an art. Right. That it is a science, which means there's a lot of different factors that play a role. And hell, man, honestly, when you're looking at the intangibles and the immeasurables when it comes to the quarterback position, it is one of the most unpredictable and tough, probably one of the most toughest position to project in all of sports because the intangibles and the immeasurables matter as much, if not more, well, it goes than back the to, measurables and the tangibles. Well, that's what I was just about to say. You can go back and look at it, and it's all about – Whatever happened to going to the um, the whiteboard and being able to break down what the play call is and going and, and being able to see where the proper reads are and all that stuff. Why are you not testing them on exactly. that kind of stuff? And that's just another data that's point. Because, by the way, yeah. there are guys who can do that really well who and, suck on the field. Exactly. Because <laughs> they can break down a whiteboard uh, who are not great on the field. Like you said right? before, they that's start I, pissing like, down their leg. They get a little nervous. They don't know how to react. Half the coaches in the league. Exactly. They can break it down on the whiteboard couldn't go on the field and do it. So it's just like said, it's just one data point in the evaluation. The, point, the, the, the problem with the NFL is for years they've put too much mm-hmm. uh, they put way too much of their stock in, in terms of evaluation into specific data points one two or three different data points no no it should be like 25 to 30 different data points you're considering for that quarterback leadership being one of them yes uh you know what i mean pocket pocket presence the poise uh you the mean the things that you can improvise. see on film the film, you all did, that. The things that you yeah. see on film and how he reacts in certain situations exactly. and what he does. Did he make the right decision? Is he getting the ball out of his hands? The things Come that on. help you win or lose. Exactly. Those are the things that I'm always – it's so funny to me every time I hear all these people. I mean, we talk about it every single week. We talk about how this is the – crazy time right this is where everything comes out and everybody's like oh yeah he did this he did that come on man it's the quarterback position it's in the nfl there's been guys that have been great on the board that were like to your point that were terrible there were guys that were terrible in practice that go out and win you games there's just there's it's an inexact science it's i I don't think exactly it's more of an art form than an exact science i don't even think you can go inexact science on at this point because it's such a crapshoot for the most part there's a and who's on my team too by the way that's a big part you know what i'm saying like you ask look at jalen hurst development and you add aj brown to it (laughs) now you pay that man 255 million dollars exactly no i'm totally with you uh but there's a i I read a great article about this uh scout this guy who's a scout it's probably a great job for uh, most men out there he's a scout for victoria's secret and basically his job his job yeah his job was to go around the world basically just walk the streets and go to places go to events and see women that he thought were worthy of being victoria's secret models and Victoria's Secret had a requirement for all their models, right? They, they had, had to be five, at least five foot nine, um, 24 inch waist. They had all these different requirements for them, the bus size, all this kind of stuff. So he knew what he was looking for. And I was at the NFL, they want, they would love, they basically want their, the, the NFL's dra- uh, quarterback scouting and evaluation to come down to a Victoria's Secret kind of scouting report where all they need to know is the measurables to look for, and then it makes their job really easy. 
Right. And they don't have to dig deep into the person or the character of the player or dig deep into the film study, like you said, Harge, get them on a whiteboard. The evaluation, if, if it's really, it's, if it's a thorough evaluation and not a lazy one, um, then it should take a long time. It should be an exhaustive, expansive evaluation of the player and not the scouting, the shallow scouting of a Victoria's Secret model right. who's just walking the streets going, damn, she got the bust. Oh, man, she's five foot nine, 24 inch waist, yep. and she's kind of fine. She looks kind of cute. Hey, sweetie, you want to be a Victoria's Secret model? It should be a little bit deeper than that. I think the NFL scouts don't want they they want it, they want to be a little bit lazy in these evaluations, and that's why the S two cognition. It's like I said, I'm a CJ Stroud. I, I I'm not a CJ Stroud hater. Um, the fact that he's got a low score, if that is indeed his score, to Patrick's point, um, it doesn't totally uh, turn me turn me off to CJ Stroud. It's not a deal breaker essentially, but. I, there are other data points that may make it a a overall deal breaker for CJ Stroud for other teams and for the Texans. Right. If that's a part of the evaluation too. Yeah, and and you know, we've been talking about this smear campaign and finding other ways to kind of knock down his star a little bit on CJ Stroud. But you sit here and you look at it and we can find flaws on every single quarterback. Mm-hmm. On every single one of them. And there's so many different ways that you're going to break it all down. What do you say? There's so many ways to skin a catfish. Amen. You got to make sure you're looking at it mm-hmm. that way. And there's so many flaws, but is he going to help your team win at the end of the day? That is the most important part of it. And I know we get uh, texters on here talking about when is the last quarterback from Ohio State that went out and did a great job in the NFL? For a while, you could have said the same thing about Alabama quarterbacks. Mm. You could have said that before. I mean, there's been Alabama quarterbacks that have come in, and only one of them, I believe, has won a Super Bowl, and that was Joe Willie Namath. So there's going to be questions at every step of the way. The quarterback position is the most scrutinized and the most publicized. So you're going to have to break it down, but that doesn't mean that he's going to fail you, and it doesn't mean he's going to lead you to the promised land. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think that's why it is it's pretty much a crapshoot. Yeah. Uh, I'd say go ahead and draft a quarterback. If it doesn't work out, admit your mistake. You're going to draft, draft another, another one. one. <laughs> it's, it's like relationships. I always say picking a quarterback is like picking a significant other. The woman you marry is not the – or man is not the hottest woman or man you ever dated. They're the one that were right for you, the one that was most compatible with you. So if, if you can't find somebody compatible, you try it out for a little while, yep. have a relationship, it don't work out, you move on, and you move on to the next one. Right another one. Yep. And the same thing with the QB position, in my opinion. Uh, a man that played QB – but now he's going to play running back in the league. Is joining us coming up next right there. Hurt. There it is. He, mm-hmm. he was a former quarterback. Now he's a running back. Mm-hmm. And now this time next week, he might be an NFL running back. Well, I think he will be. There's, a, there's no might. But I'm talking about the date. Uh, that'll yeah. be the second round. Uh, know, that's true. That that's could, the second hey, round. He could go as out the second he, round. He can definitely push it. That's our man, Roshan Johnson, coming up next on Ball Don't Lie in the Hard Knock Night Life segment. All right, right here on Wake Up Wires. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks, but in front of your own speak my man. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to the 512. Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy Hardball Hard. You can follow me on Twitter at Hardball Hard. You can follow my man Rod Babers at Rod Babers. And, of course, you can follow my man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick 
Davis. We also love it when you're a part of the show, so hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. And joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline is a young man that came to the University of Texas as a quarterback. He made the transition to running back when he was asked to make that move, and he said, all I want to do is play ball, and if you need me there, I can go and make it happen. He's got a a bright future ahead of him, and he's looking forward to the draft coming up here next week. He is one Roshan Johnson. Roshan, how you doing, my man? Yes, sir. I'm doing pretty good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We're glad to have you on with us. I know that you are a busy man. You've had interviews. You've been doing all kinds of stuff, getting yourself ready for this NFL draft. My man Rob Babers, who is a lifetime Longhorn as well. Oh, she is. We're all excited for you and look forward to you getting to that next level. But let's start right at the very beginning. I know we're going to talk about the football camp that you and uh, Fozzie are going to be putting on this weekend in the Bam Fam uh, organization as well. But I wanted to ask you, when you came to the 40 Acres, you envisioned yourself <laughs> as a quarterback and leading the University of Texas to the national championship and winning that big trophy. Well, now you ended up making that transition to running back. And what was that transition like for you? Yeah, uh, definitely the transition was, uh, I think it was more so, it wasn't really so much of a mental challenge. It was more so physically just get my body to, you know, act as if I'm a running back and kind of not protect myself, kind of use my body as a weapon. So uh, it was definitely a transition that I got a lot of help from. Coach Reagan, Coach Choice, and uh, yeah, they 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 definitely uh, impacted me a lot from just my uh, my overall development at the University of Texas. Man, I like that term, Rojo. Body as a weapon. As a weapon. Well, Most you, people are talking about body as a yeah, temple. Yeah, I like. He was that. using it as a weapon. It could be a temple and a weapon. <laughs> I like that though, Rojo. Hey, first of all, uh, who gave you the nickname Rojo? You came over that yourself. Like, how long have you been Rojo? Because even in your scouting reports now, they're referring to you as Rojo sometimes. Yeah, uh, I think that started um, just in college. Shoot, uh, yeah, I was about to say back home, nobody really called me Rojo or uh, anything like that. Hmm. He's talking about my, my regular name, so I think it just kind of grew. Uh, oh, more so and more I started to play. Do your parents approve of Rojo, the nickname? Then that's the question. <laughs> or do we need to stop calling Rojo because Mama's like, I don't want. No, he ain't no Rojo. He's D- Rojo. Daddy's like, his last name is Johnson. We need all <laughs> of that out there. Yeah, no, nah, they uh, they they definitely are not calling me Rojo. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured they, that. They'll call me by my yeah, they'll call me by my regular name. But I I got another nickname that they uh, my close family calls me by. Oh well, now uh, we got to know then. You can't you can't just leave us yeah. on the hook like that. Yeah, no, no, my my uh, my nickname back home is uh, Shug. Oh, okay, oh, okay. okay, okay. I like that. Yeah. Like Hold on, not like Suge Knight, nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it's like that, but it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that right there. I like that. So, Roshan, we wanted to ask you this, too. You know, obviously you've been going through all the workouts. You've been getting yourself prepared. When you envisioned yourself uh, going into the NFL draft, um, did you see this all playing out this way? Once you made that move to to running back, you came in. You're obviously a great leader. 
But when you started really getting into this position, is that what you were envisioning yourself going into the NFL as this powerful running back? You've been listed as the what? The number one big back in the draft right now. Uh, I mean, to be honest, not really. I mean, it was just when I made the transition, it was just kind of like a dark grind. I didn't know where it was going to end up or how it was going to go or, you know, what to really expect. So I just kind of put my head down learn and be the best in the business that I could possibly be. So uh, I, mean, I, I thank God that it ultimately led me here. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I didn't really know what to, what to expect. Hey, uh, you know, uh, Roshan, let me ask you, you haven't been playing running back that long, but what's your favorite play as a running back? What's your go-to play? We're talking counter, sweep, stretch, you know, power, outside zone. What's your money play? If you could call it for yourself on first and ten, what you want? Yeah, I think it either be duo or some type of a gap scheme with a puller. Mm. Um, both duo is a nice play when you can – all you got all the double teams going the opposite way of where you're going, so the linebackers kind of have to pick to where where they want to be wrong, pretty much, and I just make them wrong. So and then counter, I like counter when it hits. Uh, and there's nothing better than just seeing it all kind of play out and come up at the same time. You just see a wide open gap, you just shoot through it. So hmm. yeah, I would definitely say those those two schemes. Nice. We're talking to lifetime Longhorn Roshan Johnson, uh, Suge, as we like to say now. That's going to be our new one. He, we might call you Rojo still because, you know, that's what we like to say. But I did want to ask you this. With everything that is going on in the draft and the whole process, what when you were looking at this entire view of the NFL and what you were doing here at the University of Texas, obviously everybody was talking about Bijan, but Rod and I the entire time was talking about how effective you were. Can I ask this question right here? Why is it that we didn't get a chance to see you throw more passes when you were sitting in that spread offense and doing the Wildcat? I was begging for you to throw a pass, and I'm sure you was over there talking to Coach Sark like, let me throw this thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we had them in there. We had definitely had pass plays for me. Uh, I guess we, I mean, with Coach Sark, it was just, we called them a couple times, and they didn't necessarily go as planned, but uh, – yeah, I mean, I guess we just didn't, I don't know, he just didn't feel the need for him at those times. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, definitely wish I could have threw it a little bit more. But, I mean, it is what it is. Hopefully I'll get more opportunities at the next level. Huh. Yeah, it's a great point. I like uh, that. Lifetime Longhorn, Roshan Johnson joining us right now uh, on the Vicaro's Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Hey, Rojo, you hurt your hand in the senior bowl, if I'm not mistaken, and your toughness, because you can break it down uh, with all the details, but I believe y'all didn't find out about your broken hand until after practice, and actually that gained you a lot of street cred with the scouts, uh, uh, from what I heard, that they, they liked how you kind of gutted out the injury, even through the that practice, uh, and even though it was an injury that kept you out of the senior bowl, uh, it showed everybody how tough you were. Can you give us some of the details on how that all went down? Uh, yeah, it was like the first drill of the day. I mean, it was like a little pass pro drill. And um, I just went up to block a guy. And then, and I don't know, my hand was just hurting. It was on fire. I couldn't really use it. I couldn't really close it. Uh, I couldn't even buckle my chin strap. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I thought it was just a little regular old stinger. So, I just pretty much got it out, went through the rest of the practice. And then uh, I got to get an x-ray later that day, and they told me that it was uh, broken. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of how that played out. 
Wow. And you just kept on <laughs> grinding. Get it that's out, the, baby. That's the beautiful thing about Man. it. And that, that's a credit to you, as Rob was talking about. You got that street cred with a lot of people that – you didn't even know that your hand was broken. They didn't know that your hand was broken, but you just kept going out there balling. That's impressive, and I, 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 I'm excited for you because I know what you did at the very beginning. I was at the very first practice uh, when you got on campus, and it, they had an open practice. You were out there getting yourself ready to play quarterback, and then all of a sudden Coach Herman was like, hey, man, we're down in the, in the uh, running back room. Do you think you can go over there and play running back? Tell us about that conversation, about that transition as well, for you to go from quarterback to running back, and now one of the guys that we hope to hear, that we will hear his name called here next week. Yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, it was kind of a dire situation going into the first, you know, the first game of the season. I mean, we uh, we were at a point where all of our scholarship guys were uh, pretty much injured. I mean, we didn't really have a whole lot of depth at a position. So, uh, Coach Herman just pretty much asked me if I was okay with fulfilling the, the void in the position, and I told him, yeah. Uh, he said after those first four weeks, um, which is around the time we should get all our injured guys back, he would come and ask me if I want to go back to quarterback or stay at the running back position. So, uh, yeah, I mean, after the first four games, I was doing pretty good. I started playing a little bit of special teams. Uh, and this was, you know, getting a taste of just playing the position. So, uh, I mean, I just pretty much decided to stay and just kind of get it off from, from that point on. Hey, Rojo, if, um, you know, what are the three artists that would make your, are most likely to make your pregame playlist? Yeah, um, I would definitely say uh, probably J. Cole. Mm. Um, Kevin Gates hmm. and probably Young Thug. Those would probably be my three. Nice. All right. Two out of those three I really like. Yeah, two. Hey, two I'm still trying to figure out. You from Port Arthur and you ain't got no UGK up on that thing? That's too old school for Ro Joe. Hey, he got an old soul. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He got an old soul. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say, I'll, I'll play some UGK uh, here and there, but, you know, it's a, I got to be in a certain type of vibe for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got you. I got you. We know we, we you from PA, PA. I keep yelling it. You know what I'm saying? We got to make sure we get that out there. Sweet too. James Jones. There it is. There it is. <laughs> so, Roshan, we're talking to Lifetime Longhorn, Roshan Johnson. So, Roshan, tell us about the camp and what the expectations are this weekend. It's over at Dale Valley. Kids are, it, it's all free. But tell us a little bit about the camp that you and uh, Fozzie are going to be hosting this weekend at Dale Valley. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, grade third, third grade through uh, 12th grade. So uh, all different types of uh, age groups can come out and you know just pretty much have a good time, kind of learn some stuff if they want to, if they're really serious about the game or they're just really serious about uh, our experiences. I mean, there's a lot of experience for me and you know Fozzie that we can give back to the community, to the community. Uh, not just about you know sports, but in life. So uh, really, I just want to you know host an event that kids can just come out to and just have a good time and just kind of meet us and just kind of interact with us. So hopefully uh, it'll be a good turnout. And shout out to uh, Bam Fam and to you, Rojo, and to Fozzie Whitaker, man. That's fantastic. I love that you guys made it free uh, for the public to come out there, man. That's great. Uh, I'm going to ask you one more question because I know we're up against it and I know you got stuff to do. We appreciate your time. Uh, what teams do you think have shown 
uh, more interest than others in your services? Oh, man, that's that's pretty hard. I mean, I, I got a lot of interest from a lot of different teams. Mm-hmm. Hard to pinpoint, like, exactly who is showing what Cowboys. most interest. There's been a multitude of teams. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to say. Okay, no, that's good. Because yeah, yeah. you leaving it open like that, it means every, all of our fans they can they can all now fantasize about you going to their team. So that's good. You kept that. That's exactly you kept the you kept it open. Cowboys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what, that's what your boy is talking about, Cowboys. That's what I'm looking for. Can't can't be rocking. Hey, look, you. Hey, we are big fans of you. Huge. Fans, but if man. you are going to the Philadelphia Eagles oh, or the, the Washington Commanders or the New York Giants. I'm going to have to holler at you on them off weeks because I'm not going to get down with you hey, while you're playing hey, for the Hey, I like them Giants. Them Giants drafted me. You can go with them Giants, Rojo. Don't hate on that, baby. That's for Rob B right there. That's good stuff, baby. <laughs> Quality organization. Already for sure. Man, we appreciate you. And make sure that Ali uh, is on time for these camps because, you know, he's in charge over there, but I know he <laughs> like to he get a little wild sometimes. So make sure Ali is holding everything down at this camp this weekend. Oh, yeah, most definitely, uh, for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Rojo. Thank you, Rojo. Hey, there he is, Roshan Johnson. The man is going to make his NFL dreams come true next weekend um, as the draft takes place next Thursday, starting at 7 o'clock next Thursday. Rojo actually makes more sense. And we talked about this earlier, right, that Bijan Robinson is one of the probably the biggest wild card in the draft. He's been mocked to probably eight different teams that I can think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and there's, and there's a, a, a real valid case that can be made for each of those teams and why they need to draft Bijan in the first round uh, and why they need to covet Bijan. I would say this, too, straight up, and I, I, I believe this to be the, the truth with all my heart. I think there are more teams that could use Rojo than Bijan. Right. And can just, because Rojo fits with everybody. With every, with every team. It, yes, every team I needs a Rojo and a power back. I he can just replace that. whatever power backs on your roster. And he plays every special teams you need him to play. Couldn't agree. He'll play all the day on special teams. Yeah, when play. he said that earlier about special teams, I was like, <laughs> yes, because he does it all. He makes more sense for, for like I said, for, he makes more sense for more teams than even Bijan does. Right. So I, I'm, if the Texans get Rojo, I would applaud. Uh, but if your team gets Rojo, you should be damn happy because he's going to make the roster. Mm-hmm. And he's probably going to play for that team and honestly give you meaningful reps or either contend for the starting running back spot within the first two years. Right. No doubt. Right. This is this is good stuff, man. And I, he's that guy that we've <laughs> talked about for a long time about his versatility and what he's capable of doing and the different things that he can bring to a team, to your point whether it's special teams, whether it's a goal lineback, whether it's a – he can carry the ball 20 times in a game too back. I mean, oh, yeah, he can, can do it all. Workhorse. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I yeah. mean, he does a little bit of everything, mm. and he excels at all of it. Shook. Shook. Now, that sounds about right. Once he's drafted, we will have to refer to him as Shook. I w- I'm all in on that one. All right. I'm with you on that. Yes, the man said – he told us on the show that the, his family – Yes. His family. His fam. Familia. Yeah, they refer to him yeah, as Suge. I like it. Are we family or not? That, that, he right? should. We fa- he should. We fam. 
So, so I, I say once and he, you can say it for sure because once, you too are a lifetime Longhorn. But we all we all in it. We yep, fam. Yep. Yo, you committed to it. You yep. just go chase the bread, and I'm you know what? Man. That's H O fault. They didn't have the transfer portal. If they, they would have had that <laughs> on the NIL, you'd be hey, good. TexasOneFund.org. <laughs> That's where I would have been. Uh, so <laughs> if his mama called him Suge, then we, we gonna, gonna call, call him Suge. There we go. Mama called him Suge. Daddy called him Suge. We'll call him Suge. We at it. <clears throat> all right. So Rojo on this show will no longer be uh, used uh, as the nickname for Roshan Johnson. It'll be Shook. I and love it. Please correct me because it won't take me a while to get it right. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, some, ooh. I didn't think about this. No, Look I don't at that like that. I don't, I don't like that. Wow. I, 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 I Have don't you thought like about it. that? I like it I like it for him. I don't like it for the league. Pacheco, and, Pacheco and Rojo in the backfield of the Kansas City Chiefs. Because he will <gasps> be some extra. That would not – that. I don't want that either. Well, no, I want it for Rojo. Man, cheat codes. I don't like them. I want exactly. Cheat codes. I, for, the right. rest, for the rest of the league, I don't know if I like that, but I love it for Rojo, man. Rojo's going to end up with a – he's going to end up in a, in a great situation because yep. there's so many situations that he works well in. Uh, okay, we got off the record coming up next. How about this? Mike Tyson still – Keeping hope alive that he may come back to the ring. Mike yeah, Tyson. I know exactly. We will talk about that. We'll discuss it on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, one hundred four nine The Horn. DD Mega Doo I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a brain man comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. All right, so we know that Mike Tyson, uh, remember he had that fight, that exhibition fight with Roy Jones Jr.? You remember that? Did you did you watch that hard? You watch you watch you a boxing guy. Yeah, I'm a boxing guy, you but like I boxing? Did, no, I did not, you not watch that. That was like his first fight in over 14 years. He had an exhibition fight at Staples Center, actually. Yeah. Um, and they they it was on pay per view and everything. I'll give you some of the numbers because they are actually mind blowing. Uh, when we think about it. But uh, Mike Tyson was recently asked if he's 56 now, if he's open to getting back in the ring with some type of exhibition bout. He said, I'm just chilling out. I did that. I wanted to do that. I did that. Uh, but he said, people also in Saudi Arabia want me to do this stuff too. I don't know. I could be persuaded. Like he's talking about that oil money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they just throw out crazy numbers. All right, Mike, $50 million. Okay, yep. if I, oh, well, how do I turn that down? Hey man, so man, that live golf money. You're going to pay Phil Mickelson. <laughs> you're going to pay Mike Tyson. Exactly. So say like he said Saudi Arabia. I was like, oh, Mike might end up fighting again because they just offer stupid money. You're like, I can't turn down that stupid money. He said, when I see the money, my mind works clearer. I can't express myself clearly now financially. When I see the paper, the light just comes on. So he's basically saying the price is right. He'll get back in the ring and have an exhibition fight versus somebody. Can I give you guys numbers on that Roy Jones fight that he had with, uh, with Roy Jones? Guys, this is via the Chicago uh, Sun-Times. It says that basically it sold more than 1.6 million pay-per-view buys. Guys, that mm. made it. It was 10th all-time at the time. 10th all-time yes. in terms of uh, basically combat sports. I'm not including wrestling in this, so I apologize. It's combat sports, boxing, and UFC. Or not the UFC, MMA, I should say. Um, so that's basically what it includes. And at the time, it was the 10th highest uh, grossed pay-per-view 
MMA slash boxing combat sports event in history, guys. History. And if I it remember exhibition. correctly, they, could, they were not allowed to go for knockouts. I think you're right, yeah. yeah. And like that for me, no, if you yes. watch a Mike Tyson fight where he's not allowed to knock somebody out, I don't get what you like about Mike Tyson. That's true, but that's why he's he's such a. That's why the Saudi Arabians may be like, "Hey, man, you're such a draw." And that's what boxing and MMA have come down to. Do you have a name that'll draw fans exactly. in? Do you, that's why McGregor was still making money, even when he really, really was a great fighter anymore. It's like, no, he's got a name. Yep. People know the name, and people will come to watch the name. People still Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, money well, Mayweather. He's so, still good though. I guess. So when the when like the still will bust you up. <laughs> when WWE <laughs> first went to Saudi Arabia, they did this big Royal Rumble, and they were trying to bring all these names and all the Saudi princes. <laughs> everything had the people they wanted to bring in, and then they were like, "Oh, some of these guys are dead." <laughs> <laughs> so like they were like, "We really want Yokozuna to be there." And they're like Yokozuna has not been around for a while. They just named names, and so they just had another these. sumo guy come out. Oh no! They just had another guy that was an actual sumo guy come out. They didn't try to pretend he was. No, no, they didn't Luna, pretend, though. but oh. they were like, "Yeah, that that's good enough." That's good enough. We'll just get this they just guy. want a guy that's, yeah, that that's just, looks like yeah. the guy. So, it's all so right. Make it dark in there. Yeah, they're stuck back <laughs> enough that they'll be like, no, man, he was the best thing in 1995, and 1995 is awesome. So why don't we get him to come back? You're like, Mike's a lot older now. He's not. He is. He is a lot older than I think that bout was a long time ago, too. But um, I, I think it was like, what, four, maybe four years ago, something like that now, mm-hmm. uh, pre-COVID. But he, he's still a draw. How about this? You go look at the top ten highest uh, pay-per-view uh, events, highest you know uh, ranking pay-per-view events in combat sports history, MMA and boxing. Most of them are just Tyson and Mayweather. Basically, Mayweather is Floyd Mayweather, Pacquiao's number one, Mayweather McGregor two. That was number two. That was an exhibition yep. two, by the way. Don't yep. forget that. Uh, Khabib um, and McGregor three, Mayweather De La Hoya four, Mayweather uh, Canelo five. Holyfield, Tyson, six. Uh, Lennox Lewis, Tyson, seven. Nate Diaz, McGregor, eight. Lewis McGregor's on there. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir uh, gets in there at nine. And then you got Tyson Holyfield, 96 at 10. But like I said, this pay-per-view event that he did with Roy Jones, 1.6 million pay-per-view buys. Made Mm. it top 10. So that's too much cash to pass. Even that 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 event alone probably made him a nice chunk of change. Oh, for sure. It was four. It was fifty dollars a piece for every pay per view buy. That's eighty million in pay per view revenue. You ain't got for to exhibition. Me, Especially Man. when you purchase it. And you see why them them Paul brothers want to get in this in this the exhibition game. They made so much money fighting these exhibition fights. Yeah. People pay for it though because they're just influencers. So they bring. I'm gonna say I'm gonna bring at least. Five hundred thousand, half a million pay per view buys, or whatever it is, just because I got, I got three, four million followers. Right, that'll come for this fight. Well, for sure, it's crazy. Uh, anyway, all right, there you go. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get into NBA news, notes, and nuggets. Also, NBA playoff review. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on one hundred four nine The Horn.